there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. And and there it seems to be working. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah well, I, I can hear you. Excellent. And I can hear you. And, oh, I'm so relieved. Because all of a sudden, <laughs> as of January 2020... Like, my software program that I used to run through Skype, like, they're like, we don't run with that version of my MacBook operating system anymore. Oh my God. And I need a new MacBook. And I guess you're the first interview I'm doing. But then I posted in my podcasting group, and they're like, oh, well, Skype records now just right directly through Skype. But you're the first one I'm doing it with. And so I tried a test call. I was calling my home phone. I was calling my cell phone. And none of them worked. But... I guess it's working with you. Anyway, I am not going to waste any more of your valuable time. Um, so I do always tell everybody, like, it's super easy to edit. So if you want to think about it and answer or change something or you need to let the dog out or you want to get a cup of coffee, like, don't hesitate to put me on hold. Okay, no worries. And then, um, I don't know, do you have any questions for me? Um, no, just, uh, apart from, you know, generally when you meet someone like, you know, who are you, how are you, what do you do and where do you, where are you and what's it like? Just the general stuff. Okay. Well, I usually in general, just keep that in when we're talking, but so I am, I've been podcasting for five years. I'm coming up on my five-year anniversary. I launched January 29th, 2015. Uh, okay. Technically, I'm not the gardener at my house. My husband is. I'm more the organic eater. My uh, podcast, so you are interview number 307. I still okay. get nervous behind the mic. <laughs> and then on top of that, I'm going to teach an organic gardening class today at my local community conference room. Um, which is, I'm also a little nervous about that, which is funny because I'm a teacher by trade. I teach third grade. I landed this awesome school this year that has, we only have to go the first Friday of the month. So we have the three Fridays off. It's a four day school day. It's longer than a regular school day. So yeah. that's what I do by trade. Um, my husband, and I live in Northwest Montana. We have 20 acres of like Christmas tree land and okay. he Excuse me. We lived the first six years we lived here. We lived here without running water. We live in a little cabin. And then we built a well in right at the turn of the century from 1999 going into 2000. And, but then we dug a deep well in 2014. And um, he built what I call like the mini farm, which is like not quite a third of an acre where he grows vegetables and you know, like cover crops and yeah. food. Like his goal is to grow as much of our produce as we can possibly, you know, supplement our. And he and now it's pretty much from August to November. I hardly have to buy any produce in the park. I can just go to the store. Maybe I'll buy some fruit if we're out of fruit. But last year we planted raspberries and blueberries. So that's our story. But I am super excited to hear your <laughs> story. And I know my listeners are. So uh I don't know. Our weather is snowy. Um, right. It what finally temperature like? The temperature is, I think, like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I like the cold weather. So it's snowy and beautiful out, and um, I don't know. I'm hopefully going to go cross-country skiing today, finally, for the first time all year. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit here today. And, all right, well, do you want to tell... Can I introduce you? And we'll, and when you tell sure. your story, you can tell the listeners yeah, yeah. who work here right too. Ahead. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So welcome to, uh, wait, let me start over. I was going to say, we're ready, right? I'm going to introduce you. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, welcome to the, or, the uh, welcome to the green organic gardener podcast today. I am just, um, I'm so excited. Like I'm just having the best day. Like in my journal this morning, I decided that 2020 is going to be the year I smiled or I started thinking that the other day. Cause I work at a school where like you walk in and everyone's smiling. It's just the happiest place. And I love third grade. My third graders are the best. So I posted that. And then I'm doing this amazing interview today with somebody who was like highly recommended to me as the best um, book and practices to follow for cannabis cultivation. And so you might not be interested in this now, but we just, I just uh, released my interview with Jeff Blowenfels and he talked about how, um, you know, cannabis is going to become the next tomato. And so I just think all these new resources coming out. And so this book was recommended to me as like, because one of my big pet peeves is like people not growing cannabis organically and a lot of the things that are going on and like people just like, I, I personally, like, I don't know. I just really feel like we need a lot of education out there about how to grow it in the best way. And so you are going to hear some of the best tips ever. So, and um, so here to talk to us today is Jeff Ditchfield. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Hi, welcome. And um, well, one thing, what was I just going to say? All right, well, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'll remember it again in a second, I'm sure. <laughs> no worries. Um, <clears throat> my name is Jeff Ditchfield. I'm 60 years old this year. And at the moment, I'm sat in my hammock talking to you from Jamaica. I've been out here now researching um, cannabis and um, various aspects of it now for over five years. And prior to that, I was in Spain and the UK. So I have a active um, profile, shall we say, in the UK because everything I do in the UK is illegal. Um, I've been arrested this year in the UK, but uh, I was arrested twice last year, so I'm sure that'll change. Wow, I had no idea about any of that. This is just, I'm already (laughs) fascinated. Uh, I guess what I was going to say, so the grower that I know said, these were his like exact quote, like it's the easiest step-by-step guide, and it's the book that he loans to people um, because it's the easiest way to understand and it just tells you everything. It walks you through the whole process from start to finish. So, uh, that was what I was going to say. Um, and then I don't know, I still think I was going to say something else, but anyway, I do always start the show, Jeff talking about like, what was your very first gardening experience? Like, I know we're going to talk about cannabis today, but like, did you grow other things? Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Like, what did you, uh, what do you remember? 
I think my earliest um, memory of cultivation was germinating some um, seeds, um, probably when I was about six or seven at school in a um, class. And uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I think the second time I germinated some seeds was uh, about 35 years later, and that was um, some cannabis seeds. So I didn't have a great deal of cultivation experience, but um, when it came to cannabis and cultivating it, I just find, I find the whole aspect of cannabis fascinating. And it amazed me that um, the, can, um, the different varieties of cannabis plants, over 5,000 varieties, uh, all the different ratios of cannabinoids and terpenes. And I found, found the whole subject fascinating. And what amazed me about the cannabis plant is um, they're little chemical factories. And if you look after them uh, right and you nurture them and you grow them and um, you can end up with this great plant material, which you can then make the best extractions from. And that's what I found fascinating about the whole subject. And that's what got me interested into uh, cultivation. Well, cool. Well, do you want to tell the listeners like some of the things that like they maybe don't know a lot of these things? Well, um, it's like I discuss in my um, books, in my cannabis cultivation book and my medical cannabis guide book. Um, there are step by step guides in there to all aspects of uh, cannabis and certainly on the cultivation side. And I know there's a big argument and a big discussion between hydroponically grown cannabis and organically grown cannabis. And for me personally, it it very much, there's no right or wrong in any of this. It very much depends on why the person is um, cultivating cannabis. If you're living in a city and you're in a small apartment, then you might not have the room for um, a large organic grow you might have to, to grow in a cupboard or a small confined space in which case um, hydroponically um, produced weed is poss- possibly your only um, choice and hydro weed can be grown well hydroponically but for me um, all I'm interested in and all I grow these days is um, organically uh, grown weed no chemicals um, and out here in Jamaica, we have um, the whole philosophy of ITAL, which uh, is vegan. So that is uh, adds a whole new aspect to, think, uh, to cultivation out here as well. And it's a great thing about Jamaica. Um, we can grow all year round because we're near the equator. Uh, it's 28 to 30 degrees centigrade all year. And yeah, we can grow every day of the year here. I've, I've germinated some plants the other day. I'll send you some How hard pictures is it? of, um, I was going to say, I'll send you some pictures for your um, site as well, if you like, of um, some of the plants that we've grown out here. Um, and well, it's, well, it, it, it's quite easy, having grown in the UK and having grown in Spain and um, now in the Caribbean, I must say that uh, I prefer growing here. There's a whole new set of challenges out here. Um, pests can be quite a problem maybe growing as you're growing outdoors but that's something else that i'm uh, researching as well is a plant um insect repellent 
um, based on terpenes. So there's lots of aspects out here that we're researching, not just on the medicinal aspects of cannabis, but also on cultivation and developing new products to um, produce pr pr produce a better crop. But how hard is it for somebody to immigrate to Jamaica? I think it very much depends on where you are in the world. Um, there seems to be quite a few ex-Brits um, ex out here and uh, Canadians and Americans. So I don't think it's um, a huge barrier to relocating to uh, Jamaica. Um, but, you know, it's like moving to any other country is uh, you have to become part of the society. And uh, I think I took my Jamaican driving license about three years ago, a uh, test about three years ago. So uh, this year I'm going to be applying for residency in um, Jamaica. So I've, I hope to become a resident of Jamaica. My brother went on his honeymoon to Jamaica. I, you lost me with the pests. <laughs> and, like, I'm such a cold weather person. I, I, I like to go, like, we've, I, if I was going to go anywhere, I would go north, like, to Canada or Iceland or somewhere, Alaska. Wow. I like cold weather um, and the snow and things like that. But, uh, so, like, do you grow it, like, in a garden with, like, other, like, you know, pollinator plants that are going to bring in, like, beneficial insects that get rid of those pests or, like, what like what's the biggest challenge with the pests is it aphids um, <clears throat> yes mainly um and, and spider mites um, could be a problem out here um but we we deal with them without uh, pesticides and the good thing uh about growing out here in jamaica is the way the system has been set up there are five classes of licenses so if you want to have a business um, in the ganja or cannabis industry here in Jamaica, you can apply for a cultivation license or a processing license, uh, transport license, or even a license uh, to open dispensary and retail to the public. So it's a very good system uh, we have here in Jamaica, but they've gone one step further, whereas um, each household is permitted to grow uh, up to five cannabis plants for their own personal use. So as well as uh, the research and licensed um, cultivation. Um, yeah, we're also permitted to grow uh, five plants ourselves uh, for our own personal use. So that's a, a, adds a nice aspect to it. Cool. Well, how about some step-by-step -step tips on like if people were going to get started or like what are some key things like mistakes maybe you see people make or I don't know whatever you think is important and tell have we even told the listeners about the names of your books like tell them about your books okay mom my first book was um cannabis cultivator um by Jeff Ditchfield uh, available on Amazon or eBay it's a simple introduction and a step-by-step -step guide to uh cultivating uh, cannabis for your own personal use and um, medical cannabis guidebook that goes into more detail on to making your own preparations um, different methods of administration of uh, cannabis uh, which illnesses it can treat and how it can treat there's um, a whole section on uh, cancer and the anti-cancer properties of uh, cannabinoids and how to make extracts to treat your cancer um, and the starting point of course of that is to have good plant material and 
it's a very simple process. I think a lot of people try and make cannabis cultivation sound uh, complicated. Um, and it's it, it's actually not. It, it's very simple. It's called weed because it grows like weed. Now, you can grow good weeds or you can, you know, just let them get on, get on with it themselves. But it's like everything else. This is where cultivation <laughs> like comes that. in. It's about nurturing and um i know it sounds a bit hippie-ish and a bit freakish saying like uh put love into your plants but that's the way it should be uh, 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 sometimes um you know I'll, I'll, I'll just sit um amongst plants uh, reading a book or even surfing the web I, I just like to be around them and my advice to someone who's interested would be um to join a good uh, growing or cultivation uh, forum on um, the web anywhere. Um, one I always recommend in the UK is UK420.com. That's probably one of the oldest um, cultivation forums um, there is. It, it's been going for over 20 years now. And there's a wealth of experience on there. And it, it, it's people who have been growing for many years and it's new people who are joining the forum to learn learn how to grow. And it is a very, very simple process, but it very much depends on what your growing environment is. If you're somewhere here, like in Jamaica, well, you can just grow five plants in your garden and you've got no worries. If you're growing or trying to somewhere like Saudi Arabia or um, some of the other countries in the world, well, you can actually lose your life for uh, cultivating cannabis. And that to me is ridiculous. So it very much depends on where you are in the world. Are you going to grow indoors? Or are you going to out, grow outdoors? But the basic, pro basic process is the same, is you have um, a germination period where you've got very small plants, which you're growing from seed or from cuttings. And then you have a, what's known as a vegetative period um, where your plants are uh, getting larger, getting stronger. And then you have what's known as uh, the flowering period, where is that's when plants are producing um, flowers and female buds. And that's what you want. And that's why I don't think people need to put chemicals on like a lot of people are doing. Like, even, like, I'll see things, like, organic rooting, cloning, whatever, rooting thing, and it'll say that, but then you'll find on the back that it's, that's not really what it is, and it's just, I've heard people say you can just do it with water, so things yes. like that, and just, um, I don't know. Well, I'm, that. That's why I think, you know, it's down to personal choice. It's like some people um, choose uh, not to eat meat. Um, some people um, might be vegan, some might be veg uh, vegetarian. And it, it, it's very similar with when it comes to weed. But um, for me personally, it has to be organic, uh, grown in soil, without chemicals. And that's just a personal choice. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Um, but it's just my personal choice. And I, I think that's what a lot of people forget is that at the end of the day, it's um, what we all consume and take into our bodies is our personal choice, whether it be sausages or whether it be hydroponically grown weed or weed um, that's been produced with uh, plant growth regulators, PGRs, which we're hearing a lot about these days. And 
Um, I think the danger is is that a lot of people are thinking good quality or high-grade weed is hard, compact buds uh, covered in trichomes. And generally, the weed that is um, the densest looks the best is generally the ones that have been grown um, with chemicals. But some people um, like that. If I want something stronger um, bud-wise, then that's when I'll um, look at taking or having an extract. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, what else did you want to tell listeners? Well, when I when I grew my first cannabis plant, that was back in 2000, and a friend of mine uh, from Liverpool in the UK, she suffers from MS, and trying to obtain some cannabis to treat her illness one night in Liverpool, she was actually robbed at um, knife point. Um, the she she was looking for some weed. Her regular dealer had been arrested, who she'd known for years. So she ended up um, going around some pubs in Liverpool, just trying to buy weed at random, um, which, you know, as we know, is not the best course of action. But she was so desperate. She was in so much pain. And in a pub in Liverpool, she was, um, guy said, yeah, come out to the car park and, yeah, I've got some weed. But he ended up pulling a knife on her, uh, holding it to her throat. And, uh, robbing her handbag. She didn't even report this mugging and this theft to the police because she was scared she would get into trouble because she was, you know, trying to um, obtain some weed, which is uh, illegal. So that is talking, so sad. I know, and this is what struck me all the years ago was well, the problem is not. Um, trying to obtain cannabis is trying to obtain cannabis under a system of prohibition and um, she was she was a victim of uh, cannabis prohibition so that's what made me think was well it's a plant and it, 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 it it's called weed so how hard can it be to grow and that's when um, I started growing my first cannabis plants and within I think about six months I was uh, able to crop enough cannabis to um, keep her supply for a year. And that made a rod for my own back in some in some respects because she 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 was um, involved with the MS society in Liverpool. And when she went to meetings, people were saying, oh, you're looking good. And she was saying that she, she had a new source of cannabis. So within about a year, um, I was assisting uh, over 20 of her friends who suffered from MS. And that's when I decided that um, no matter how much cannabis I grew, there was too much of a demand for this. So I started to teach people how to become self-sufficient. And that's the main driving force um, for me writing my books is to write a simple five-step guide so people can educate themselves um, make um, grow their own cannabis and make their own cannabis preparations if they want to, or just have a better understanding of the process and um, what they're taking. And I think it's important that more and more people um, research cannabis, certainly the medicinal side, so that we can utilize this plant and 
you know, we've all got an endocannabinoid system and we need cannabinoids. It's not very complicated. Well, this is awesome. Last night I was watching, like, I don't know, I was flicking through channels and, like, it was the Congress was debating the marijuana like they were there was like a DEA guy and there was an FDA guy and Congress was drilling them on like why if people need these medications is it taking so long for you to you know okay them and the FDA is going well we can't you know do the research because the DA still calls it a schedule one and Congress was like on them they're like why are you calling it a schedule one when these other like more hardcore drugs that have cannabinoids in them are schedule three and five, which I guess is okay to research. And you can't, you're telling us we, you need the research. Why can't they do the research at these universities? Like one lady's like, we're talking about Stanford. One lady's talking about UC Davis. Like why are these universities not getting the okay? And the DEA guy was saying this and the FDA guy saying that. And like, I, you know, like the one thing that people, when you look at like Colorado and Washington, where they've, you know, seen huge increases and they've, you know, decriminalized or whatever they've done that, they say that the emergency room visits are up and that's because I feel like people, they say it's because they're eating like, they're not taking the right dosage. Like we need this research done. You're talking about people with MS that it can help. I know people like I worked with a teacher in Browning whose husband had MS and he was a medical marijuana patient. And she talked about how important it was for him. Like I know people like it, it just makes no sense. There's kids that are struggling. Like I feel like this information is getting out there and thanks to wonderful, amazing people like you. And like I said, I felt it was so important as soon as, um, I, we must have been talking about Jeff Lowenthal's book, and the person said, I, well, this is the book that people always ask me, because this person's like a grower who grows some really nice, I guess, cannabis, and he, he, and he said that he followed your advice, so I just think this is so important to get out there, because I'm sure, I, I'm willing to bet that you know somebody who needs this medicine for something and I just feel like it's so important that like you know when somebody said I don't know we just had an incident at our school and I just saw a little girl who's in a coma yesterday in the hospital um one of the students at our school was in an accident at the beginning of the year and so just when somebody's like it, it just it amazes me that this is a seed and then for me personally uh oh maybe this was what I was gonna say so I found this new podcast called um it's like the plant-based party in my plants or something. And she teaches about the plant-based diet, but she was interviewing this health nutritionist woman yesterday who talks about fitness. She was like the most knowledgeable person of like the between fitness meets athlete. But she was saying, what does she eat? Hemp seeds, you know, hemp hearts, hemp protein. Like, like the weird things like I didn't know is like, you need to get like, she'd be like, you need 80% protein and 20% carbs or something within an hour after your workout or like different that your muscle doesn't have time to repair itself. Like, I, I don't know, just like, oh, it's nutrition advice. But then, then she's talking about what's like one of the most important things are the hemp seeds and hemp and you know it's all cannabis it's all the same thing and just i think you know i talked to tara keaton at the rodale institute who talked about it's a great cover crop and like i just i can't even believe like so thank you for going to jail to help you know this movement i just think you know it, it's an important whether you're growing for cannabis or hemp or whatever anyway i'll get off my point. yeah back to you Jeff. <laughs> 
Um, well, for me, it's always been important as well as um, researching the subject myself is to challenge the law. And certainly in the UK, that's why I've been arrested um, over 20 times in the UK. I've been to Crown Court. Um, my last arrest uh, last year outside the Houses of Parliament in London, I was arrested in possession of cannabis oil with intent to supply it to the parents of a dying child. That is actually what they put on my charge sheet. Um, needless to say, the Crown Prosecution Services, when it got to court, didn't want to uh, proceed with that case. So they dropped all evidence and I was free to go. But uh, the police are still wasting their time arresting me, even though the prosecution services aren't wasting their time prosecuting me in court. It's a really strange situation in the UK. And then how many, I don't know, just how many people are in jail that don't like for what, you know, maybe doing the same thing or doing different things or just, um, but that's, that's just, you were trying to give cannabis oil to the parents of a child. And so did you like, did you like get like publicity to do it? Like, did you call the press and be like, I'm going to do this so that they would come and see you? Like, how did you get the police there anyway? Did you call them? Well, no, it was the Houses of Parliament. So, no, probably the most, one of the most heavily policed buildings in uh, Europe. It's where the British government sits. And they were actually debating cannabis laws um, inside the Houses of Parliament when I was outside getting arrested for being in possession um, with intense supply, as I said, to the parents of a dying child. And this is the ridiculous thing in the UK is every week I'm contacted by parents who've got children who are either uh, suffering from terminal cancer or severe um, epilepsy like Dravid syndrome. And the government can't help them in the UK. The health service can't help them. So they have to resort to uh, becoming criminals. And I don't think that should be the case. And... This is another reason why I fight so hard to end the prohibition of cannabis, because basically um, I want to stop these parents having to email me to see if I will help them and risk up to 14 years in prison to supply something that they should be getting from their doctor or indeed growing themselves. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well... So are you, how are you making, are you using that like Rick Simpson method? Is that the, like the cannabis oil that they're trying to get? Or is it something um, else? Is it in your book, how to well, make that? Yes, in my medical cannabis guidebook, there are step-by-step -step guides to um, making cannabis preparations and cannabis extracts. And it very much depends on what you're trying to treat. If you're trying to treat cancer, with a cannabis extract, then yes, you need a, con a concentrated, what's known as a cannabis oil. And that is generally um, made by taking cannabis plant material, preferably buds, um, adding to a solvent, and concentrating by evaporation. And that gives you um, this very you know, thick oil that I'm sure a lot of people have seen uh, pictures of on the internet if they haven't seen in dispensaries themselves. But it's extracts as well that um, has been my main area of interest. And I think that's where the future um, lies. And I know there's been a lot of bad press recently in the US regarding 
um, vape pens, for example, and uh, e-liquids. But again, that can be a very effective method of administration. It's only because of prohibition that we've had these recent um, health scares in the US regarding uh, extracts being cut with uh, vitamin E, um, for example, and um, other additives. And this is the sort of thing that can only happen under prohibition. Exactly. It's just... Uh, just... It. A, a, a big problem um, the federal government has, um, and indeed a, a lot of governments have in uh, the world, is the UN conventions. And it's due to a UN convention that uh, cannabis is deemed to be a Schedule 1 drug. And this is why every country that is uh, a signatory to the UN Convention, um, the Misuse of Drugs Act or the Dangerous Drugs Act, uh, word for word are the same throughout the world. But it's very, very hard to change something at the UN level because you'd have to get every country that's a signatory to the original UN Convention to agree to an amendment. And that's not going to happen. So this is why you can have in the US um, at state law, because at state level, they're not signatories to the UN conventions. So they can uh, bring in their own regulations, but federal governments is a lot harder to do. But for example, here in Jamaica, working within the conventions, um, there is a section that says that any activities which are deemed to be illegal according to the UN conventions can be legalized through a regulated um, system and that's what we've been pushing here in Jamaica is we have uh, a cannabis licensing authority the CLA and you can apply for a license and yeah you can decide which aspects of business you want to go into out here now in Jamaica we've, we've had a legal system for three years and there are dispensaries opening all the time. I went to the opening of a new dispensary just before Christmas in Kingston, and that was very nice. It was a um, lovely location. It had a bar, so you could have a red stripe with your joint, had a dispensary selling weeds and extracts. Also um, had a little restaurant as well, so you get a nice pizza. And this is what I like about Jamaica, because there's a problem with um, purchasing cannabis products with credit cards. So the Jamaican system is quite simple. Um, you can't you can't buy weed in Jamaica with a credit card or a debit card. But so what do they do? They put an ATM machine in the dispensary so that um, yeah, if you haven't got any cash on you, you want to buy some weed. Well, you go to the ATM, take your cash out, and you go and get your weed. Simple. Uh, it's just so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like it just, I, I just, uh, I, I, I can't even imagine like all of that. Like, I didn't even realize that. That I guess. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Or I guess I just don't pay attention to, um, like, you can't buy. I guess you can't buy it with a credit card. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I thought they got rid of that yeah. in Colorado and those places. Is that Jamaica? Um, well, this is part of the problem uh, throughout the world is, again, due to international um, conventions, um, 
and banking regulations, money laundering uh, regulations, that you, if you, even if you've got a legit legal business, you can't accept credit card payments because, you know, people are buying drugs. It's yeah, that's, I guess that's what it is. Like, I can go to the pharmacy and get medication and pay for it with a credit card, but this is a plant that grows, that people need, that we can use for all these things, and we're here we are in America, supposedly land of the free, and we can't grow it. For, like, all these... I, and, the, and yet, at the same time, people can go buy a gun at a gun show. That yes. obviously is has like a lethal purpose <laughs> but you cannot okay. grow a plant like we just had a training at my school last week about what to do if a shooter comes in and it's just mm. i was like are you kidding me like mm. i i couldn't even believe that this was going to happen and then but but we can't and look at all these things that you're going through and and having to get arrested and parents bothering you trying to get medication for their children and and then, like I said, it just infuriates me because I really want to eat hemp protein and just it's all related. And I think, you know, the more I I don't know, I just you must be you're, you're as frustrated as I am, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, we're here to be on a positive note. You have dropped so many golden seeds. And like my <laughs> listeners, I call them green future growers because we're all dedicated to growing a greener future and just um. I think that you have made such a huge difference and I totally encourage listeners to get your books, um, write him a five-star review on Amazon so more people can get his books and more people can learn and like, just thank you so much for your service and just, uh, but do you, do you have anything else you want to say? Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of wrapping it up, but like, um, <laughs> no, do you have, um, do you want to <clears throat> tell us like any, like, what about like tip? Do you want should we do the like getting into the root of things like kind of like my lightning round? Like, do you have a least favorite activity to do around growing cannabis at all? <laughs> that's, that's a difficult question. Um, I wouldn't say there's any aspects of um, the whole cycle that I dislike. To me, but to me, it it it's means to an end. Um, what I want to do is produce the best buds I can. Because with the best buds, I can make um, the best extractions. So I, I think I've, over the years, I've come to see the actual cultivation process as more of a means to an end. So it's not something I dislike, but I must admit that I don't um, enjoy it as much as I used to years ago. But I think that's because um, my areas of interest have moved in, in, in into other, other areas, basically. I, I'm more interested in now in different strains, the actual ratios of cannabinoids. And that was something that struck me many years ago. Because everyone referred to, oh, you know, cannabis. But to me, that seemed a bit ridiculous. It's like we're to everything as alcohol. Uh, we all know what alcohol is, but there's a huge difference between um, a glass of Chardonnay and a glass of overproof rum. And people understand these differences yes. but when it comes to cannabis they don't and again that's a lack of education which is due to prohibition because to me it's important to um give people enough information so they can make an informed decision but because of the laws it, it, you, you've got this difficult area where it's illegal to encourage um drug use but how do you educate someone 
um, without it being deemed as encouraging someone. So it, you have to develop a certain writing style so that you stay on the right side of the law. And this is why every grow book and every cannabis book um, at the beginning has a disclaimer saying that, you know, it's for educational purposes. It's not meant to incite or um, encourage anyone to break the law. But <laughs> that's just to keep the uh, publishers and the uh, author out of prison. Um, we all know while we're writing these books, we all know why we're writing, putting the information out there. And that is to try and empower people so they can make an informed decision or they can become self-sufficient. Because that, that's something else I've noticed as the market around the world develops and becomes legal, shall we say, for once of a better phrase. Um, it's, it, it's, it's so much more expensive than what would be deemed as the black market. And he, even here in Jamaica, uh, if you go into dispensary, you're looking anywhere between 10 and 15 US dollars per gram um, to purchase some bud from a dispensary. Whereas out on the beach, you can buy a quarter for, you know, 10 US dollars. So it's basically no comparison. Why is that? That it's I cheaper think... to buy it illegally. Well, I because it's the it black probably, market, possibly, but um, I mean, there is an element of profiteering, and I think a lot I see a lot of the businesses that um, are going down the license route, they want to protect their market, so they don't want um, the prices to be reduced. But the way I see it here in Jamaica is that the dispensary market is um, mainly aimed at tourists not necessarily your average Jamaican because basically they can't afford to go and buy weed from dispensaries. So, but they can grow five plants at home. They can buy it without any problem whatsoever on the island. So it, it really isn't an issue here, but um, in other jurisdictions throughout the world, you know, things can be very difficult. Um, there's, there's a poor, poor gentleman in Malaysia at the moment. Um, I've been speaking to his sister. He's actually, uh, appealing against a death sentence because he was uh, caught with over a kilo of weed, you know, just over two pounds of weed. And he's actually on the sentence of death by hanging for cultivating more than a kilo of weed, which he was doing to help people who have cancer. And it seems ridiculous that someone is had a death sentence issued against them because they've been growing a plant with, with intent to help someone who's going to die. Yeah, or even if they're going to go to jail. It's just ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, this is on a total side note. I have a friend, or there's somebody in my podcasting group that keeps, from Malaysia that keeps asking me about a coffee plant, if you happen to know anybody that could help this poor guy who's trying to grow this coffee plant organically, and I haven't had much luck. But um, that that is just, that's just terrible. And so, all right, so my listeners are probably wondering, like, how, is five plants enough to, to like, harvest for, like, your whole year? Like, and well, then are there varieties well, the, that you recommend? Like, what, like, they're probably wondering things like that. Well, the, the thing out here is um, because it's um, 28 to 30 degrees centigrade all year round, 
we're not restricted to one growing period. So we can um, get four crops in in a year quite easily. So what we can do out here is, uh, and because we're near the equator, um, our days are naturally uh, 12-12. So it's like last night, it got got dark about six six o'clock last night here in Jamaica. Um, but it was um, light again at six o'clock this morning. So we have this more or less 12-12 light cycle all year round. And as anyone who's grown oh, cannabis, um, exactly. So um, in fact, sometimes um, in the winter here, and it seems ridiculous calling it winter when it's like two degrees cold in the summer, um, the light cycle, what we have to do is we have to supplement um, a couple of hours of uh artificial light at the end or the beginning of the day um, when our plants are in veg to stop them going into flower. But um, that's not such a, much of a problem, to be honest. So our five plants, we can grow all year round here. Um, quite a few people grow auto varieties out here. Um, some people grow sativas. Um, hazes do quite well out here. But what I've found with my research over the last five years is that some of the dense buds, some of the heavy indicas, they don't do so well out here, but that's mainly because of the high humidity. Um, so that leads to additional problems like bud rot. Um, so sometimes, you know, the humidity is, is, is in like the high 80s or 90s, which is okay when you're vegging your plant, but it's not very good when you're in the final stages of um, flowering. Isn't that all fascinating? Do you want to like tell listeners maybe they don't know the difference? I don't know the difference between like a sativa and a haze. And what did you say? Auto? That's the auto flowering that Jeff wrote about, right? Um. Well, they're Is the auto crazy? variety. They're the auto varieties of cannabis. Because um, what's that? When I, well, when I grew my first cannabis plants twenty years ago, I grew from seeds. And then I started looking into the different varieties and strains of cannabis. And there, there are over 5,000 individual varieties. And this is what got me thinking along the lines of um, differences between alcohol. There's a huge difference between a you know, log of shandy and um, some overproof rum. Um, in effect, taste and composition, but the actual active ingredient is always the same, that's uh, ethanol. And we identify that on alcohol products with uh, the ABV, alcohol by volume. So if you see a beer with 4% ABV on, you've got a good idea of what that's going to be like. And if you see an overproof rum with 85% ABV, you know, that's gonna be totally different. And that's what got me thinking about the different varieties of um, and strains of cannabis, because with the, with there being 5,000 distinct varieties more, um, all, the, all the compositions are different, their effects are different, tastes are different. And think about, any, uh, about anything which has got a huge variety of dogs, for example. You know, there's a huge difference between a Jack Russell and a Great Dane, but they're all dogs. 
And I think these barriers, people have to stop thinking about, oh, just weed or cannabis. We have to think about the individual <clears throat> components of cannabis, the chemicals that make up, make, make that plant so special, the composition of cannabinoids, ratio of THC to CBD, what other cannabinoids are produced in the, in the cannabis plant, and then terpenes. Each variety of cannabis can produce between three and 500 individual chemical compounds. This is why a little chemical factory. And there's a huge difference between, for example, a Durban poison and a um, strain from um, Nepal. Um, again, I find the whole aspect totally fascinating. And when it comes to um, main different types there's um you have your indicas you have your sativas you have uh, ruderalis you have cannabis afghanica um it can get um you, you can get bogged down in the detail but it's the detail it's what i like for every question i get the answer to that then raises two or three new questions which i have to go and try and find the answer to and something i find fascinating about this whole whole uh, subject so what's like the biggest challenge that you see consistently people have over and over trying to grow cannabis uh, I, I think it depends where you are in the, in the world you have if you're growing indoors um it doesn't really matter where you are in the world um because you're creating an artificial environment um indoors so you know it doesn't matter whether i'm growing indoors here in jamaica or you're growing indoors in montana it doesn't matter what it's doing outdoors because you're trying to create the ideal artificial environment for the plant indoors but outdoors it's very different depending on where you are in the world um for example when i'm growing in spain Generally in Spain, we have just one growing period, so we can plant um, our plants out in uh, February or March, and we will <clears throat> cultivate them all year, and we will crop them in Spain, probably September, October, depending on the variety and the strain. But because the plants have such a long growing period, they can grow to heights of two or three meters, and you can yield uh, uh, one or uh, two or three kilos per plant out here in Jamaica, where we don't have such a long um, vegetative period, um, our plants are smaller, so we get less of a yield, but we can grow more of them and we can grow all year. So it's very difficult to have a standard um, system for growing outdoors because obviously, you know, it depends where you're doing it in the world. But um, so in some aspects, it's easier to grow indoors. But uh, I like the challenges of outdoors. And here in Jamaica, um, with the weather and everything that's going on, different challenges, but um, challenges nonetheless. So if listeners are wondering, because like two to three kilos per plant, like doesn't really give me and like like how many joints would you get in a kilo and let's see so you said a kilo was 2.2 pounds two pounds yes yeah so um in spain that sounds um, like a lot yeah in spain, i mean a potato weighs five. a pound but 
Yeah, you can get five, six, six, six pounds of um, Vodar plant outdoors in Spain quite easily. Uh, but it'll take you one year to do it. And out here, as I said, um, because we don't have a long growing period, it's more or less the same climate all year round. We don't grow our plants as big, but we grow more of them. Oh, okay. Uh, so on the flip side, what's your favorite activity to do when it comes to growing <laughs> cannabis? Is that the trying these new varieties and learning about it? It sounds like you're just super curious, which I just love. And totally reminds me of one of my students who's just like so into science. <laughs> well, well, it, it became apparent to me. Um, I mean, many many years ago when I started getting contacted by. Uh, people who uh, had terminal cancer and people who had children um, who uh, had terminal cancer. I decided it, it became obvious to me is that the questions they were asking me, no one had the no, no one had the answers uh, throughout the world, and that used to bother me. But um, I remember one many years ago talking to a professor of microbiology at Madrid University. And he laughed at me because he, he was saying that, well, you know, that, that's his life. Um, uh, there are many, many questions that he doesn't know the answers to. Um, no one does. And that's part of his passion and his drive to find these answers. And I realized that, yeah, I, I have the same disease, if you like, um, this curiosity. Because when a parent contacts me and, you know, explains that their child's seriously ill, um, what is the best combination of cannabinoids or what extract, what should they give them? I, I had to answer that to the best of my ability. And that that meant um, researching. And this is why I'm still researching. We found out many years ago in uh, the UK that um, THCA, for example, um, can be very effective against children who've got epilepsy and are having seizures. It, it, it can be used as a very effective rescue medicine for a child who's having a severe seizure. And again, due to a loophole in the law in the UK, THCA in its pure form is not actually a controlled drug. It's illegal to grow the cannabis in the UK. It's illegal to process it to make THCA from um, your plant material, but once you've got your THCA, it's not illegal then to possess it or use it, which again, is bizarre. So again, I through, think that's kind of like what they were talking about last night on that, like the Congress was asking, or I can't remember who it was. They had like all different, maybe it was the national policy for drug, national drug policy woman or somebody, but they were, it seemed like they were talking about things like that too. So then, yeah. But then, well, what are well, you getting well, arrested sorry. for? Well, I was going to say one of my mantras is to be an expert on every law that you break, um, and as well as studying cannabis and its medicinal uh, application, I've also spent a lot of time researching the law in various countries. So what I do here in Jamaica is legal. What I do in Spain is decriminalized. They don't really care. And in the UK, it's still illegal and I get arrested. But over the last couple of years, I've um, deliberately got arrested 
And if anyone wants to see me getting arrested and engaging with the police officers, then they can have a look at my website, jeffditchfield.com. And on there is um, quite a few reports of my various arrests outside Parliament and court cases throughout the UK. Because I'm a very reluctant criminal. I do not want to break the law. But the way I see it is I have no choice. If the parents of a seriously ill or terminally ill child contacts me asking, um, can I help? Will I help? The only thing that would stop me would be my fear of the law. And I think any law that um, says that I, I, I have to ignore a desperate parent who I can help, um, that law doesn't, doesn't deserve respect. 250 years ago, it was legal to keep a slave. Doesn't mean it was right just because it was legal. Now, 250 years ago, I would not have been um, doing what I'm doing with cannabis. There'd be no need. It was legal. People could, you know, use it as they saw fit. What I'd have been doing 250 years ago would be setting slaves free because slavery was wrong. And I would be I would be deemed a criminal for that. I would probably be in court um, on charges of theft for setting a slave free back then. But I think that illustrates how through time um we can look back on old laws antiquated laws and realize how ridiculous they were at the time and i've no doubt it's not going to be that long off that people are going to be looking back on the prohibition of cannabis and we'll look we'll look back on it like we now look on slavery and think it was something from our past which was wrong and never should have been illegal in the first place and another another thing that keeps me going is that i know that um there are people and children who are alive today, who, who would indeed dead in the UK if I had not actually broken the Misuse of Drugs Act. Well, that's awesome, Jeff. And just, uh, I'm sure listeners support you and the work that you're doing. And just, uh, oh, it just breaks my heart. I just, I just don't understand it at all. So, Jeff, what's the best growing advice you've ever received? Oh, I've, well, over the years, um, so much, but I can't point to one particular thing. But what I think the best bit of advice I can give to people is to experiment, um, try something new. And it, if it doesn't work, well, it's not a failure because it didn't work. You've actually learned something. Don't do that again. And that's part of my whole approach uh, has been over the last 20 years about trying new things and some work some don't but you learn from what doesn't work and that then helps you to produce better methods better systems and gain more information and knowledge that you can then pass on to people it's the experimentation that i really like and the interesting thing is as well is that um I'm, I, I am my number one guinea pig, so whenever I make something new for the first time, I always try it out on myself. Uh, the latest thing I've been experimenting with is a cannabinoid um, CBN, which I find very interesting because pharmacologically CBN, five milligrams of CBN has the pharmacological effect of 10 milligrams of tramadol, but without all the addiction and um, other um, side effects. So. We've, we've only just scratched the surface when it comes to cannabinoids and uh, the cannabis plants and researching and 
this fantastic tool, um, what it's capable of, um, its possibilities are endless and we've only just scratched the surface. Awesome. Well, thanks for helping us scratch the surface. I just got to just double check, like CBN as in no or CBM as in Mary? Uh, CBN as in um, Charlie Bravo November. Okay. And then... I just feel like it's every time I ask you a question, like I know we've been talking for a while and you're probably like, is this lady ever going to let me go? But I <laughs> feel like you just keep dropping, like I call it golden seeds when you teach <laughs> things and just so much inspiration and, and you're, you know, you're bringing light to just such a important topic. And there's so many people out there that um, are going to benefit from this in the future. Like, I feel like I've learned a ton already today, like things that I didn't realize, like you, you seem in typical, I feel like the ugly American, like I'm so ignorant of like these things that are going on in a lot of other places. But do you have a favorite tool? Like, is there a tool that you couldn't live without? Like, what's your handy little tool you can recommend? Um, I would say my favorite piece of kit um, is my Volcano um, vaporizer. That's the that's the vaporizer that um, is made in Germany by a company called Bortz and Stickle. It's called the Volcano because it's um, shaped like a volcano, and uh, you put you, you put cannabis or extracts in there, and then that um, uh, inflates a bag, and then you put a mouthpiece on and you inhale the vapor from a bag. That is my favorite piece of equipment. Interesting, kind but, of like in a hookah but different with a bag instead of a or am i totally yeah off? what no 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 yeah you're actually you you're, you're actually pretty close i mean more and more people seem to be moving away from uh, smoking these days um and there's a big interest in uh, vaporizing and obviously the main difference between vaporizing and smoking is that when you're smoking you're uh you you have the act of combustion so you're creating smoke through uh, combustion whereas when it comes to vaporizing there is no combustion so there's no smoke so you create a vapor so the common event in vaporizing and smoking is temperature but in a good quality vaporizer for example like the volcano you have very accurate temperature control so for example um, THC vaporizes at 157 degrees centigrade. So by controlling the temperature of your vaporizer, you can control which cannabinoid you're going to get from that plant material. So that's a whole new aspect. Um, and that's something people should certainly look into. That, that, that uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, appear that I'm trying to plug my book, but there's a section in my medical cannabis guidebook on um, vaporizing, um, explaining the science behind it. And for me, I'm trying to smoke less and vape more because um, vaporization is a very effective ad me method of administration. You can certainly, if you've got uh, pain, but by uh, vaping cannabis and inhaling it, um, it's very, very effective uh, for controlling your pain and you can get to the right level and then stop. So it's um, it's a very method, a very effective method of administration. But I was also going to say is that if your listeners um, 
I, I, I haven't been too bored by my ramblings over the last hour. And if you'd like me to come back on a future um, podcast, I'd be more than happy to. So if any of your listeners have any questions that have been raised by um, today's chat, then please send them in to you and I'll be more than happy to answer them um, whenever. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Jeff. You have been just the most awesome guest today and that would be perfect. So... Well, you have a wonderful day and enjoy Jamaica. And uh, you are you. more than welcome to plug your website on my podcast anytime because I feel like you're just sharing such valuable information. You're making such a big difference in these people's lives. And um, hopefully if listeners know anybody who needs to learn how to do this, like you're empowering people to be able to grow it themselves and, and help yes. themselves. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you very much for um, our chat today, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and nice to know you. Yeah, you too. It'd be so fun to meet someday, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, I mean, unless you come to Montana, I would be amazed if I ever made it to Jamaica. <laughs> we do yeah, live near well, beautiful well, Glacier National Park. <laughs> well, yeah, there's probably not much chance of us meeting um, realistically, because if you don't like the warm weather, well, Jamaica's not the place <laughs> for you. And I can't actually... I can't actually visit America because I have um, nine criminal convictions in the UK for supplying cannabis to people who are terminally ill. Um, the federal government in the US says that uh, I'm not an eligible citizen, so I can't actually come to your country because I have criminal convictions for cannabis in the UK, which is, again, is bizarre. And that's another I'm just reason shaking why... my head. <laughs> Well, it's another reason why I see myself more as Jamaican than I do um, British, because here in Jamaica, um, Jamaica is the only country in the world where I do not have a criminal record because Jamaica actually expunged everyone's criminal record uh, for cannabis offences when they legalised it three years ago. So uh, Jamaica for me is a great country. It's the only country in the world, as I said, where I'm not officially deemed as a criminal well hopefully we'll change all that in 2020 here in the united states if we elect bernie sanders who i'm pretty sure is going to do that within like day one or day 100 uh i know that's in his plan so maybe you will get to come in the near future or who knows because like i posted this thing on facebook this morning that 2020 is the year i smiled and then the news came on Uh about all the trouble in iran and i was like oh my gosh how can this be but anyway Jeff, you have a wonderful day. Thank you for your service and everything. And um, listeners, definitely go check out his blog. Write him some reviews if you're interested. And uh, again, if you're not interested, say, I bet you will be in the future. But I'll bet you know somebody who who maybe this interview is going to change their life. So you keep up the good words and we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers that you are safe. Thanks for all you do, Jeff. Have a great day. Thank you. You you have a great day as well and um, all the best to all your listeners and hopefully one day see you on the beach in Jamaica. Take care, everyone. All right, bye.
I am so excited to you because we are launching the Organic Oasis Masterclass for 2020. And so Organic Gardener podcast listeners, we're offering you a very special deal to get in early. So the Organic Oasis Masterclass, I kind of went through and changed some of the things from free garden course. We've updated the videos. Um, This is a much more in-depth course. 12 lessons designed to help you build a healthy, nutritious environment. Um, We wrapped it up, so we're including a copy of the workbook. So if you live in the United States, you'll get a hard copy of the Organic Oasis guidebook that's got all sorts of worksheets and guide and planners where you can, um, you know, really design like lesson four, designing your organic oasis, I think is the biggest chapter in the book. Cause it, there's just so many things to consider and there's a cheat sheet to help you make your smart goals, you know, that are strategic, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. For example, like maybe you want to build two deep beds. You can like, it helps you set a date. It helps you figure out what materials you're going to need. Maybe your goal is like to plant succession lettuce, which is one, you know, I've always wanted to do where, um, maybe for the first two months of spring, you're going to plant a new bed of lettuce every week, you know, and that's strategic because you want to eat healthy lettuce while it's growing before it gets, you know, too hot and bolts in the middle of summer. So you're going to do it in the spring. It's measurable. Can you, you can schedule out the plantings and then, you know, you can check them off. Did you do it or did you not? There's a timeline. Um, and there's just so much information in the workbook I know alone. And again, I will be walking you through with videos that, um, will help, you know, explain things in more detail. The work guidebook and the Oasis masterclass is based on a lot of the principles that have been talked about in my show, but then I've taken a lot of pictures from our place and put them together. So you can see where we've actually applied these principles, um, over the course of the last 20 years. And so hopefully, you know, it's going to help you see from things that we've been successful with, with some of our mistakes and failures and the list and my listeners. And so you get the guidebook, you get a soft cover copy of the data keeper, because I know that's like been always been super important and helpful. Like tons of my guests have said it. I was even just talking to Melissa Norris about, you know, she's coming out with a planner because keeping track of your data is so important. And like what I love about our data keeper is it, it helps you keep track of like, what are you eating? It makes you look at like your grocery bill and what do you buy in the store? And like, makes you really think about your food consumption in relation to your garden. And even if you're just, um, you know, having a landscape, you might going to think a lot about putting some herbs and before, you know, maybe you'll be cooking with some of those herbs, even if you just want to have like perennials that are easier to take care of, but they're helping mother nature and they're, you know, they're making your garden thrive, your landscape thrive, your neighborhood thrive. They're just, you know, bringing in butterflies and beneficial insects and bees and helping the environment around you, even if you don't want to deal with vegetables. But if you want to deal with vegetables, you know, there's tons of things to help you learn how to be more productive in your vegetable growing. Because to me, being effective and being efficient is super important. And then there's also, we're throwing in bonus number two, is a soft cover copy of the blank garden journal. And so you'll get a copy of that. It's 135 lined pages. They're black and they're either black and white line pages or blank pages where you can sketch out your designs or just write about things like in a little more detail. Um, bonus number three, there's going to be a private Facebook group 
full of like other like-minded members who are also on their journey to build an organic oasis. And bonus number four, I'm so excited to release this. So Patty said, Patty Armbruster said that she will um, come and do a question and answer each month with the members of the Organic Oasis Masterclass. So I think that alone is worth $97 or more than that to pick her brain. I mean, she's a farmer. She's an educator. She teaches, you know, horticulture to students. She's a resilience agriculture expert. You know, she hangs out with other um, farmers and, and agriculture experts, and she just has so much knowledge. And so she's agreed to do a live question and answer each month. And so You'll get the 12 webinars where I'll walk you through each lesson. There's like, you know, the quizzes on the Organic Gardener podcast website that you can take after you've mastered this information. We'll send you a certificate when you're done. Um, and just, I think you're really going to love it. And so we're releasing it early so that you can get your book and get your things ready and be ready to go at the 1st of January. And we're giving a discount to Organic Gardener podcast listeners for $75. You can get in now. And take the Organic Oasis Masterclass and get started designing your Organic Oasis today. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.